tonight about self-acceptance. About the need for self-acceptance and uh, the peace coming from self-acceptance. I think a retreat, uh, among other things, is very helpful often in helping us to realize this need and uh, this kind of peace, the need of, for self-acceptance and uh, the authentic peace which comes from it. As many of you know, in uh, this tradition, there is a, a set of five, um, just called the five nivarana, the five hindrances, the five, the five uh, obstacles. Anger, attachment, dullness and sleepiness, restlessness and doubt or hesitation or semi-chronical hesitation. Um, and as you all, I'm sure, know, um, these five characters tend to visit with us um, rather frequently in a retreat. Um, Sometimes they take turns, sometimes they come all together, <laughs> sometimes they go away after a while, sometimes they stay. Um, it varies, and it varies also according to <coughs> retreats. There are retreats when we believe they've gone forever, and then uh, often next retreat uh, has something to say about this conclusion. <laughs> um, in some deep sense, these five are the five representatives of non-peace. And if we uh, start meeting with them through the practice, we realize that uh, at least often, and especially when we begin a spiritual path, there is a radical agitation in us and a superficial peace. Because we, we realize that we want the opposite. We want a radical peace and superficial agitation. <laughs> but it takes work. But once we begin to understand the dynamics uh, of all this, we are very happy to work in this direction. And honestly, after doing uh, seriously this for some time, we cannot conceive of a better direction for putting our better energies. There is uh, uh, a relief 
when we start waking up to this fact. So a, a retreat, a retreat in, in this respect, in this regard, um, kind of squeezes out more of uh, the hindrances on the one hand, and on the other hand, um, helps us to see better the hindrances, to understand them better, and to begin to overcome the uh, hindrances. The reason why this happens is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is rather obvious. A retreat is um, a very simplified uh, situation, and so there is no way to hide from the hindrances. It's a carefully devised, no-escape situation. You might have noticed a retreat. <laughs> So um, maybe in our everyday life outside uh, retreats, we maybe uh, are uh, avoidance virtuosos, but in a retreat, uh, we cannot do that. Provided we just uh, follow the schedule, we are going to meet uh, hindrances and, um, and uh, to deal with them. There is no way to avoid this thing. Now, this is something we should remember though. Talking systematically, as it does happen in this tradition, about the hindrances uh, does not mean that we don't harbor the opposite qualities. Because um, you know, if we if we um, talk a little bit too much about these issues, um, we may develop um, what we could call the suspicious meditator syndrome. Uh, you know, how come how come a, a whole hour went by with no hindrances? <laughs> yeah. Something, something should be wrong. But this is extreme. Uh, there are the opposite qualities inside ourselves. And the main reason for us to work on the entrances is exactly to make those qualities more available to us. In other words, if we don't work on the representative of non-peace, there is little hope that we can have access to peace because they are uh, hindrances to peace. That's why we work on them. But peace is in us. And uh, we are working with um, the breath these days especially with the breath. A great teacher in this tradition, uh, Ajahn Lida Madaro, uh, was fond of saying, uh, knowing the breath is knowing the mind. 
um, if we are working uh, on our breath and if we are being aware of our breath and a hindrance pops up, uh, that awareness is, uh, uh, which we are holding on the breath is very likely to touch the hindrance that has just arisen. So even though if we are focusing mainly on the breath, um, um, the, 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 the awareness which is activated uh, through the breath more and more becomes available uh, for what is non-breath, especially if the hindrances are, uh, are making themselves feel in a very strong way. The first step is recognizing a hindrance, just realizing that it's there, not fooling ourselves in denying uh, that fear or anger or, or compulsive desire is there. And for some meditators, this can be not so easy if we have a history of, of denial in our lives, uh, if we tend to overlook uh, what is problematic. So first is the recognition, uh, and then, especially if uh, uh, the hindrance has some power, or, it, it, or rather is manifesting some of its power, because the hindrances are powerful, um, then we can uh, stay a little bit with the hindrance, although our main anchor is uh, the breath. In um, certain instructions for the practice, um, in this tradition, uh, it is said, you know, first vitaka and then vichara, which means first you connect with the object and then you hold the attention, you sustain the attention on the object, connecting and sustaining. So we connect with a hindrance, still working on our breath, but we connect, we, we feel that it's there, it's, 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 uh, it's come on us, and then we sustain. We stay aware uh, while we're working on the breath that in the background there is anger, there is fear, there is uh, attachment. It's not just a fleeting, a fleeting recognition and then denial again. And step number three is seeing the suffering which is generated by the hindrance. And more specifically, I would say, seeing the power, the power of the hindrances. Um, you see, most of the manifest... Can you... I don't know whether lack of memory is a hindrance, but I am. Uh, 
Um, okay, the power. The power of the hindrances. The power of, you know, many of the manifestations of the hindrances are addictions. And addiction means a, a lot of power. As a matter of fact, we could say that like the first two hindrances, uh, anger and attachment, are the root addictions or the root of all addictions. But this is something uh, which should be taken into account in order to deepen our knowledge of the truth. And there is, you know, so many days, months, years of relentless exercise of the hindrances. And that uh, means an incredible momentum. So we are a little bit pathetic when we uh, get discouraged. Oh, you know, I've been dealing uh, for uh, two days with this hindrance. I'm discouraged. Why? Uh, we've been building it up for decades, and then we get discouraged because we've been working with it for two days. Uh, that's pathetic. <laughs> but we don't know it, of course. Like how many times we've walk, uh, we woke up in the morning and in a bad mood, and we in, we've been indulging in that bad mood. We've been watering it, you know, passionately, wholeheartedly. So that is a lot of power, a, 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 an incredible accumulation of, of power, toxic power. And in terms of our practice, what this means is that easily hindrances are hindrances with regard to mental calmness, but also often, at least, with regard with awareness itself, because they easily take us away from awareness if they are overwhelming. Awareness of the breath becomes difficult, and awareness of the hindrance, of the hindrance itself becomes difficult. So again, we, we, we can, we can uh, feel um, uh, a, a special, a particular difficulty because we want to follow the rules, follow the, the teachings, and then we see that we try the breath and uh, forget being mindful of the breath. Then we turn our awareness towards our anger, but it's, you know, we, we just, get lost, we get sucked in for the power of the, uh, of the hindrances in, in, in so far as they are addictions and they have all this uh, power accumulated. Of course, what to do when we are in such a quandary? Um, Patience and, and wisdom mean, uh, in, in this case, just letting go of our expectations of, of continuous and meticulous mindfulness. 
you know, if we don't, uh, we're going to be uh, even more stuck in, in a very difficult situation. But, on the other hand, we shouldn't give up on a general awareness. Because, see, maybe that we just oscillate between uh, wanting to be uh, continuously and meticulously aware, but if we don't succeed in being so, then um, maybe we find it more dignified if we just uh, dump it all. <laughs> that's naive, that's um, immature. <laughs> uh, we just shouldn't give up a general awareness of what's happening. We uh, we see, we realize that we're having a hard time uh, being mindful uh, with breath, being mindful of the attachment, of the anger, okay. But there can be a general awareness of what's happening. Maybe we, we need some more walking, maybe we need some movement, whatever. And general awareness means that we don't... Um, uh, we, we, we don't um, uh, give up the capacity uh, to listen to ourselves, the capacity for listening. Usually the most used metaphor when we talk about awareness is the uh, a metaphor of seeing and looking. But the metaphor of uh, listening is also uh, very good. Um, I've always uh, enjoyed this passage by Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, it is in the Plum Village chanting book, and it's under the uh, evoking the Bodhisattva's names, under the uh, name of Avalokiteshvara. We evoke your name, Avalokiteshvara, we aspire, we aspire to learn your way of listening in order to help relieve the suffering in the world. You know how to listen in order to understand. We evoke your name in order to practice listening with all our attention and open-heartedness. We will sit and listen without any prejudice we shall sit and listen without judging or reacting. We will sit and listen in order to understand. We will sit and listen so attentively that we will be able to hear what the other person is saying and also what has been left unsaid. And also what has been let uns left unsaid. We know that just by listening deeply, we already alleviate a great deal of pain and suffering in the other person. We know that just by listening deeply, we already alleviate a great deal of pain and suffering in the other person. So, listening to ourselves, 
listening to what's happening in our minds. See, we are used to think that either we listen to someone else or someone else listens to us. But here, um, in a meditation retreat, in, in the meditation practice, there is this possibility, this way, which is the way of listening to ourselves. Why shouldn't we? Being aware means listening to our mind. See, uh, that can underlies um, in a vigorous way the fruits, the results of wholehearted listening. Only by listening itself, uh, we alleviate the suffering. Now, this works exactly in the same way when we listen to ourselves, which is uh, something we are not uh, used to think. We are not trained uh, into thinking about. In other words, we think that either we uh, are being listened that by someone else or uh, maybe we, we go and listen to someone else who is in a worse situation than we are, so we get some relief. But this is different. This is directly listening to ourselves. Ourselves listening to ourselves. And this in itself, this uh, gentle awareness, alleviates our pain, our suffering. This is extremely important. This immediate effect of alleviating our suffering is one of the most important fruits of awareness. Uh, maybe we don't always uh, keep it in mind that we are doing, we are alleviate our, our suffering when we are in touch with our hindrances, we are, when we are listening listening. Of course, listening, being aware, um, has nothing to do with identifying. Say, let's, let's uh, take the hindrance of doubt. Do we ever listen to doubt? The same way as we listen to the plane or to the wind. Usually we tend to identify with doubt. We don't listen to our mind doubting. Maybe we, 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 uh, uh, we repress our doubt or we uh, uh, let it proliferate, but this is completely different from listening to our doubt, listening to our anger, listening to our fear. With an open heart, attentively, Do we deserve listening attentively to what our mind is saying? Often we think we do not deserve it. 
we are not doing, we are not going to do this for ourselves. And that's ignorance, that's avidya. That's a, a big source of suffering. It's a, a, a strong devaluation of ourselves. Maybe we are ready, not out of any narcissism, as genuine, genuine, in a, ready in a genuine way to listen to someone else's pain. But we are not ready to listen to our pain. And again, again, it's not that we listen to this other, and I'm not thinking of listening to someone else in order to ingratiate, ingratiate ourselves, ingratiate the other person. No, sincerely, out of sincere friendship. But then when it comes to ourselves, it seems to be different. So there's the, uh, a subtle or not so subtle uh, lack of uh, uh, trust. Subtle or not so subtle uh, self-devaluation. Violence. Isn't it? <laughs> like belittling ourselves. But if we listen according to those precious lines by Tai, if we listen, if we listen to our hindrances, What is it that uh, we hear? We hear need for help. We hear uh, a request for self-acceptance. It's as though uh, behind um, the anger, the fear, whatever, uh, there is this voice, this need, take care of myself. <laughs> we are saying it to ourselves if we listen attentively. Take care of myself, protect me, do not leave me alone. And we are talking to ourselves. It's as though we knew somehow that there is shadow and there is light within us. And we are addressing ourselves. Ah, like as though we were saying, stop this violence against yourself. Stop this prejudice against yourself. This destructive attitude which can be very, very subtle. Doesn't have to be very, uh, you know, blatant. Self-acceptance now. 
not what we're asking ourselves. Not in the future. Once we've become good meditators, you know, on condition. I'm going to accept you on condition. I'm going to accept you talking to ourselves if. See, we, we uh, uh, set conditions on ourselves all the time. A and this is why if we asked, what is your biggest disappointment in life? We would say me. I am the biggest disappointment in my life. I am the, the, the biggest frustration. Obviously, we, you know, we've set so many conditions every moment that we are bound to become the, uh, uh, the biggest frustration of our life. It's as though we were constantly telling ourselves, uh, I will accept you if, if, on condition that, In a very, in a very um, microscopic way, and practice is invaluable in in showing us this this uh, destructive, divisive, toxic attitude. Why aren't we at ease? Why is it so difficult to be in the present moment? Why are we recurrently worried? This is the main cause. This self-tormenting. This uh, very different attitude form, from, from very different from holding ourselves, taking care of ourselves, protecting. I think that making a decision to foster total self-acceptance with no delay is not something to be underestimated. And renewing this decision, it's a little bit like taking refuge. It's equally important. It's the basis. But of course, uh, the same way, uh, you know, with the, the refugees, we take the refugees and then it takes practice for the refugees to bear fruit. So very similar. We make the decision of total self-acceptance and then it takes practice for this fundamental decision to bear fruit. But I think we should never lose sight of, of this uh, crucial structure of, of spiritual life. Self-acceptance and lack of self-acceptance. And the preciousness of the practice to show us more and more, on the one hand, the power of uh, non-self-acceptance, of the hindrances, 
and on the other hand the possibility to overcome all this but it takes listening it takes gentle listening helping ourselves I always found that the teaching of the Buddha is, is great uh, and profound in many respects. And one angle which I found uh, very deep and very clear at the same time is that the Buddha, on the one hand, has devised a system to dismantle uh, selfishness and to foster compassion a very uh, sophisticated and effective system to go beyond uh, ego uh, I mine and to land into uh, the relief of compassion at the same time the Buddha is very uh, clear and outspoken in how necessary it is to cultivate uh, oneself, to love oneself. See, in the Nikayas, in the discourses of the Buddha, um, there are words which are recurrent and are very revealing in this respect, with this regard. That one of these words is attacamo, which means which, who loves himself, herself, literally. Another word, uh, also uh, relatively frequent, is bhavita uh, atto, the one who's developed himself or herself through meditation, bhavana being meditation, bhavita atto, who has developed uh, herself, himself. Because if we don't develop ourselves, we cannot uh, be uh, adequately equipped to go beyond selfishness. There is a, a, a lot of wisdom in this attitude. Obviously, we are not talking about, about uh, you know, indulging uh, narcissistically. We are talking about becoming stronger in order to overcome the strong weakness represented by selfishness. So from the hindrances, we went to how necessary it is to listen attentively to the hindrances and see the way they work and the power that they carry and listen wholeheartedly and attentively so as to be able to catch the cry for help, the need uh, for help that uh, is there and meshed with, with the hindrances. And we are asking help to ourselves, 
not because we don't want to ask uh, for help uh, uh, of other people, but you know, we are our closest neighbor. <laughs> and this goes two ways. Once we start taking good care of ourselves, then there is now a, a jump to, to reach to other people. It, it comes organically. You know, we, we've taken care uh, of uh, someone in a bad shape we was, which, who was in, a, in our closest vicinity, ourselves. It's very logical. And, and we've developed skills in doing this. So this um, overflows towards other people. We can, of course, begin from uh, helping other people. And if we have some maturity, you know, this, this uh, um, uh, is very good. But easily we can, we know, we all know that we can use, without even realizing it, other people uh, to give ourselves uh, some relief, you know, to, 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 uh, to be able to say, I've done something, so I am less unworthy. There is that danger. Well, if we just put our hands in, in developing self-acceptance, in wholeheartedly helping ourselves, with uh, an attitude which I like to call humble boldness, you know, we've seen that this is necessary, and so we, 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 we jump into it. We can make mistakes, of course, but once we've seen how necessary this is, this self-protection with this self-taking uh, uh, care, then, then, then we don't forget it. And we see that see narcissism is self-destructive and destructive of other people. Taking care of oneself is exactly the opposite. It's positive to oneself and positive to other people. Can we sit for two minutes? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.